You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. I've never been a drinker. Um, and actually, everyone respects that. Like, nobody's like, come on, have a, you're ruining the vibe. Like, nobody's like that. You know, everyone's just like, do you want something? No, cool. Like, so I guess I, I don't know if it's always like that for everyone, but at least I know that in the environments that I'm normally in, everyone's very respectful. I still like hanging out with people while they're like having a drink, you know, like depending to a certain point. Um, uh, so it doesn't bother me. It's for me, that really is something that like, if you want to do that, that and you enjoy it, go ahead. As opposed to like smoking, which affects me because now there's secondhand smoke in my face. Um, that I would rather you do like far away from me, but drinking whatever man do what you want if that is enjoyable for you that's cool i don't want to do it i have zero interest in it it tastes bad to me it tastes really bad hey what's up vox and hops heads i'm matt the vocalist of cryptopsy and the host of the vox and hops metal podcast brought to you by sound talent media and evergreen podcasts where i sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives music and craft beer i hope you had a glorious weekend i most certainly did this vox and hops episode is presented by heavy montreal heavy montreal is montreal's premier metal promoter they put on a bunch of sick shows all year long, and they have some killer ones coming up, such as Bruce Dickinson doing his spoken word on March 23rd, and Dragon Force is coming through on March 31st. You should absolutely pick up your tickets via the link in the description of this podcast, because these shows are going to be incredible. I am beyond stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I would just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I'm also asking you to rate and write a review for the podcast. Now, why do I want you to do that? Well, you have to imagine that when someone is looking for a new podcast to listen to, what do they do? They scroll down, they look at those comments, they look at the ratings. And if there are a bunch of positive ratings and reviews, well, they're most probably going to give that podcast a chance. So by you rating the podcast, or even better, writing a review, you may actually be the person that helps sway someone's decision to become a future Vox and Hopshead, and that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now on today's episode with Elisa White Gluz of Arch Enemy, get ready everyone, this is Vox and Hops episode number 331. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Alyssa White Gloves. It's very, very, very good to be with you. Obviously, vocalist of Arch Enemy. Uh, how are you doing? We've known each other a long time. Very nice to be with you. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. It's, I think the last time we hung out or crossed paths was actually backstage at uh, what they now call MTELUS that I still call Metropolis at the Lamb of God Behemoth show. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I believe that's the last time we saw each other. Uh, I've been wanting to have you on the podcast for a very long time, probably since the very beginning. And uh, it took me over 300 and probably 30 episodes by the time this comes out to, oh my God, to okay. actually <laughs> have a conversation with you. I was lucky to sit down with Michael when you guys came through, uh, probably the last time you came through Montreal. Uh, let's just jump straight into it. Uh, the shitty question that we all start with, because, uh, you know, it's the world that we live in. Uh, how did you cope with the glorious years of 2020 and 2021 and hopefully not 2022 right um well i did probably something similar to yourself and every other musician listening and i wrote a lot of songs amazing <laughs> uh worked on a bunch of music and just you know did the only other thing we can do other than tour basically which is um 
which is equally fun, I think, but um, wrote a bunch of songs, recorded a bunch of music and uh, just tried to stay sane, basically. <laughs> <laughs> tried. Tried is the operative word. <laughs> is that something that's mandatory for you? The writing not while on tour? Can you write on tour is basically is the question. No, I am so exhausted on tour. Mm. I'm, so, I, I'm like... By the time I get off stage, I feel like I just got hit by a truck. I'm exhausted. I have so many emotions and so much adrenaline and I can write lyrics on tour, but I can't come up with like melodies or riffs or anything when I'm on tour. So talk me through a typical writing day. Uh, how much, how much of a, like work ethic? I'm looking for work ethic. Like, do you wake up and say today I'm writing a song and there's like a nine to five schedule or is it more of a um, spur of the moment uh, going off inspiration? So I typically work, um, 24 hours a day and wow, okay. <laughs> which, no wonder which I think tired. a lot of people do you know um recently I've been getting more into forcing myself to take breaks mm-hmm. um which I think is really useful so like doing mandatory like 15 minutes of just like go lay on the yoga mat and relax for a second and or like go walk around the block or whatever like things like that um I would love if my days could consist only of writing songs, but usually it's like, I'm going to write a song today. And then, oh, wait, an email came in. Let me just get to that. And then 17 hours later, I'm like, okay, now I can write the song. <laughs> but uh, I'm just too tired. Forget it. I'll go lie on the yoga mat a bit more. Exactly. <laughs> Very important rest. And, and I was expecting yes. you to say days off. Here you are. You're, you're, you're like carving out 15 minute breaks. That's rigorous. Yeah. You have a rigorous schedule. That's that's even when you're not on tour. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, especially when I'm not on tour, actually. For me, I feel like tour is a little bit more of a break in a sense, in the sense that my the core necessity of my existence at that moment is just to stay healthy enough to do the show tonight and tomorrow night and do the meet and greet, which hopefully we'll be able to do still. I don't know. And just get through it like that. But that's it, you know, and it's like the show just I can't be looking at my phone or my email or whatever when I'm doing the show. So it's like, I mean, I could, but I don't think that would be very entertaining. Can't do that yet. But. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that actually allows me to have that like meditative, um, like mindfulness because I have to be just totally mindful while the show is going on. So for me, it almost feels like a break. It's a treat. Yeah. We, we get to do fun things. We do. Very lucky. <laughs> it will come back. It will come back. Uh, I hope so. Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music, and typically craft beer. But uh, you are straight edge, so we won't be talking about craft beer. I mean, I'm curious as to what you just took a sip of. What are we going to be sharing virtually today on your side? This is straight vodka. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know nothing about craft beer, like less than nothing, like 0% knowledge. So this is water and um, that's what I'm drinking. <laughs> I love that. And that's perfectly fine. On my side, I'm going to be drinking a very cool little tea collab that dropped earlier this year, earlier or late Ooh. last year, actually. This is Cryptopsies and Pitch Black North, the satanic tea company out of uh, Calgary, uh, Alberta. I love this. This is lavender black tea, and they put hops in it, of course, because I'm involved and everything that I'm involved in needs a little bit of hops. Uh, it's awesome. None so vile. Play on words there with none being N-U-N versus the classic album title. Love it. Love. And uh, did you ever think of calling it Cryptop Tea? <laughs> 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 I, I, Dominic, uh, Alyssa's onto something here. Uh, pitch Black North coming up soon. Cryptop T. <laughs> yeah, I am. I, I did pitch him doing a. We have Whisper Ooh. Supremacy. I was pitching him to do Steeping Supremacy. I want that to be the next one. 
Thank you for taking That's the time. That's awesome. I love decorative mugs like that. That's cool. <laughs> mm, I need to get more. I'm not really participating right now with this one, but that one is cool. It's uh, my Jack Skeleton mug, if anyone's wondering. Um, I need more because I'm doing more sober episodes and I keep using it. So I like to, I have to vary my glassware the way that I varied my beer glassware. Because that's yeah. a problem. That is actually a problem in my house. I have too much, too many glassware. Let, let's jump into the soundtrack of your youth. Mm. When you're growing up in your parents or guardians' house, what music did your parents or guardians listen to? Um, when you were not in control of the radio, what did they? What did they listen to? Your parents or guardians? Luckily, I have an older sister, so mm. um, even before I was able to take control, she was. <laughs> yes. And my parents also have very good taste in music, so I was surrounded by um, just like excellent rock music from many different decades. So I grew up or we grew up in the nineties, right? So we had some Foo Fighters, some Soundgarden, some Nirvana. I know not everyone loves grunge, but for me, I love it. Um, but we also had like Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin, um, King Crimson, um, Stevie Ray Vaughan, uh, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, David Bowie, uh, nine inch nails, like just a big variety of things. And like my parents like this music, like they have really good taste. So, um, I never had to deal with that thing where you're annoyed by your parents' mm -hmm. music. I just liked it. Do you remember that first one that you stole? Like the CD you, you dragged into your room? I think it was, I think it was green day actually. Mm. <laughs> Do you remember <laughs> the album? Green day. Dookie? Yes. That was yeah. the first first cassette that, that I owned. Yeah. yeah, it was a cassette, yeah. yeah. That was the first cassette that I owned. It was actually, it was a bootlegged cassette. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Back in the day. But <laughs> how about uh, the first uh, band that you brought into the household? What was your first love that hypothetically irritated everyone else, but probably not because they actually like music? Or open yeah, I mean, styles of music. yeah, I, you know, it's tough to say because my sister was so involved with music that she brought in so much music and like not just the things I listed before, but also like hardcore bands and mm -hmm. underground metal bands and things like that. Would she be the first one that exposed you to harsh vocals? It's very possible. It's very possible. I think she definitely was like one of the first um, occasions that I had to see that like you can be in a band like you can just go do it. You know what I mean? Like when you see all these metal shows, like, well, first of all, I was in looking at these like local metal shows, often you, um, for years <laughs> before I went and saw like, you know, an international touring band. Um, and then when I saw like, you know, the, the international band, I was like, okay, so like, it's the same thing. Like you can just do it. Like you don't need like magic. You just make songs and then you go play them. And I loved going to all these small shows and at that point in time, there was kind of like a lot of new metal. So there was like this new metal wave kind of rolling in Montreal. And I, I liked that. And then I started finding like some more punk bands and some more hardcore bands. Hardcore got kind of big for a second um, in that scene. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that the first music that I, I brought into the home that maybe wasn't already there was probably like some straight up metal like Metallica type of thing because that was one of the first like CDs that I had was Metallica but um, you know what we might have already had a copy in the house for all I <laughs> I love that uh, you spoke a little bit about it I am curious do you remember your, your very first live music experience oh my god um, you know what I can't remember the very first one like individually 
I really don't remember. I I do remember going to a lot of shows, like sometimes up to four shows a week. Wow. At like, Lanko, you know, like Club One and Lenko and yeah. L'Alize and like Club One. Licks, yeah. of course, Club One. Yeah. Like, yeah, I remember going to all these places and I just loved it because also I was at the age where a lot of my girlfriends were starting to like get fake IDs and go clubbing. Mm-hmm. And I did that <laughs> and I was like, but wait a second, I hate everything about this. So why am I doing this? And so, and so then I was like, I would much rather go to this environment where there's like something I appreciate. And, and so I just started going to a bunch of shows alone often. And in a way that was kind of cool because it allowed me to kind of network because I, you know, I didn't have like a default person to just hang out with. So I kind of had to just go and hang out with everyone there. Mm, I love that. They, they never returned the favor and came to a club one gig with you. You know what? I do have a video, like a VHS tape of my first show ever at cafe chaos. And my girlfriends are there. Amazing. So they came to my show and they were the only ones there. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, that's my next question. Is do you that first time on stage? Do you remember your first time on stage? I do. Yeah, I well, really do. The, actually, the VHS helps, but <laughs> the VHS helps to refresh my memory. But I, I really do remember it. And those like two girls that were there are still my best friends now. Amazing. And, um, I think there was like one other dude there. <laughs> Um, and I think I know who it was and I can tell you off air and see if you remember this guy, but I won't say his name on air just in case. But, um, but, uh, I, I think that was him who was also there. (laughs) And I just remember I had like really long hair and it was red on one side and blue on the other side, like split down the middle, half, half. And I sang almost the entire show, like in profile because I was so like nervous that I didn't like want to face the audience and I like I was just so nervous so I sang the whole thing that way and I still have the VHS tape so if I can ever find a VCR I can watch it and possibly show other people if they want to laugh at me you have to save it because it's going to be in the biography the (laughs) biopic yeah 70 years down the line you know what I mean yeah the band name was was this hollow rain is that the name do I have do I remember that was hollow rain yeah I can't believe I remember that just now yeah (laughs) I didn't have that yeah I drew that logo by hand with a technical pen on a a piece of white board from the art store and I spent hours on that and yeah I love that you know Flo drew Cryptopsy's logo too eh that's so, awesome. Something That's about awesome. The art, art the artists. Be, yeah. <laughs> become, Hand drawing the logo like that. It's great. <laughs> Old school. Love it. Um, let's dive in straight edge. This is a sober episode uh, for Vox and Hops, which I am very much enjoying doing recently. Well, we can still hang out and have a chat as if we're sharing a brew, uh, even if we're not. And I like that very much. Uh, so talk to me about being straight edge. Uh, you've basically been straight edge forever. There was, yeah. I don't think there was ever a moment that you were ever not, if I remember back in the times that we had exchanges. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I'm just, I don't like alcohol. So mm. I, it's not something the same, similarly to like, you know what I just said about the, the dance clubs. Like I was just like, this is not my thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to do this. And so I've never been a drinker. Um, and actually everyone respects that. Like nobody's like, come on, have a, no. you're <laughs> ruining the vibe. Like nobody's <laughs> like that. You know, everyone's just like, do you want something? No, cool. Like, so I guess I, I don't know if it's always like that for everyone, but at least I know that in the environments that I'm normally in, everyone's very respectful. I still like hanging out with people while they're like having a drink, you know, like depending to a certain point. Um, 
so it doesn't bother me. It's for me that really is something that like if you want to do that that and you enjoy it, go ahead. As opposed to like smoking, which affects me because now there's secondhand smoke in my face. Um, that I would rather you do like far away from me. But drinking, whatever, man, do what you want. If that is enjoyable for you, that's cool. I don't want to do it. I have zero interest in it. It tastes bad to me. It tastes really bad. Um, so that's it. That's basically it. And I also, it, you know, I never felt the need to do it because I didn't see it really bringing much benefit to mm. my life. So I just never got into it. How about the label of straight edge? Is that something that means something to you? Or is it just the fact you just don't do this? Because there's a lot of people that, that actually is like a lifestyle and they like to promote and live that lifestyle. Does this, does that mean something to you in the way that it means to, to other people? Um, I would say like mildly, yes. Um, you know, I do, I do call myself straight edge because it's easier just to explain to people what mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. I don't... Um, Two words versus a whole sentence, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, although I have, I've definitely seen it like make people have weird reactions before, you know, like, you know, you say it and they just basically like the one scenario that I'm thinking of is a dude who was like, Hey, can I buy you a drink? And I was like, no, I'm straight edge. And he just like took off, like just gone, (laughs) which was exactly what I wanted to happen. So it was fine. But, um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I mean, It is a lifestyle, you know, it's like a way of, for me, um, just really appreciating my health and respecting my body. But I know that for other people, they're able to do that while still enjoying a beer or whatever they want to do. So I'm not um, like offended or bothered if someone wants to drink. I think there's a big difference between those who drink socially and those who drink uh, in like like a serious problem type of a way like I've, I've definitely seen that aspect of it also which is something i really don't like um and i wish there was a way to cure people of that type of addiction i really wish that was possible um it is possible but i wish it was a little bit simpler than it is just push a button um yeah, yeah or just like like a diet like something but it's very difficult it's 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 not it's not straightforward you know and so i really don't like when i see people i care about falling into that kind of a path but otherwise i mean i definitely like i connect with other straight edge people because we have that in common but i also connect with you know non-straight edge people (laughs) yeah Yeah. and we hope so (laughs) yeah because otherwise i would be like very alone all the time (laughs) how about touring you mentioned a little before that you could still party with them until it becomes too much uh i've been on a tour bus I know what it's like. Sometimes yeah. it's fucking crazy. And sometimes yeah. you just want to go to sleep. And how do you cope with those moments? Well, so I'm like pretty high energy. So I kind of like don't necessarily uh, st- like stand out that much against other people who are like who are drunk because they kind of get more excited. And oh, yeah. I'm just kind of excited anyways. So um, so for the most part, um, if I'm around people that I know and like trust it's fun, you know, like they're having fun. I'm having fun. It's cool. And they also, you know, I'm in an environment where everyone is a professional. So they know that if they get to a point where they're not going to be healthy tomorrow, mm. that's not acceptable. And and it's not even anyone else that holds them up to that. Like all of us hold ourselves to that standard. Um, and they also know that like singers need a lot of rest, you know. <laughs> so um, I don't really have any issues with anyone like being rude in the sense of like waking me up or anything like that they also know i I had really bad insomnia for a while so it was just crucial that i tried to get as much sleep as possible but um but yeah i 
like I said, I, you know, there's some people that are like, they go too far when they're drunk and it's not cool, but that is not the environment that I'm regularly exposed to on tour. And, and so I'm really happy about that. That's a good thing about being at the level that you're at. You guys can have your own bus where it's your own people. Whereas, yeah, it's us. Like we're like a family, you know, right down to our bus driver. That's like, amazing. All of us, we're, we're like a family. So I really miss the, them all right now, mm-hmm. actually. Absolutely. Yeah. Because we, you see these people more than you see any of your friends, really, most of the time. Exactly. In a normal yeah. life's years cycle before yeah, the yeah. pandemic. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been on buses in different situations where it's not just my band and we're 24. Oh, I've been there. You know, you know the 24 <laughs> humans on a bus. Yes. I had a 27 person bus once. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and you know, and not everyone is a part of the family as much as you love them. They're not yeah. a part of the family and they have their own interests at heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like, you know, I call that part of, you know, part of the job, part of the kind of paying your dues aspect of stuff um, or like the growing pains, you know, you kind of got to work through that. It's, I think it's pretty rare for someone to just be like going from local band to like, you know, super comfortable touring environment. Like, I think you kind of got to carve your way in there. So, um, yeah, I've definitely been in, in that <laughs> environment also. And all I can say is that somebody got pissed on and it wasn't me. So I'm happy about that. Oh, <laughs> shit. Okay. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. <laughs> um, Strange question, shitty question almost. Would you crawl back into a van nowadays? You know, sometimes I think about like, I was thinking about that just recently because it got so cold here. Mm, yeah. And I was like, man, I used to just like go <laughs> in my jacket and boots and mittens and hat and scarf and then zip a sleeping bag completely over my head and sleep in a van in the middle of February in like the Arctic of Canada. <laughs> and I was like, man, was I insane or just young (laughs) and i think it was a little of both um i feel like i'm like physically not capable of like handling that anymore because i'm old now but uh you know if i if i had to i would um and still sometimes depending on like the routing of a Mm -hmm. tour sometimes it makes more sense to take a van so we'll still like do that sometimes a sprinter thing um but it's no it's no joke you know touring in a van is tough it's hard work it's really hard work and American bands, like bands from North America, do it more than bands from Europe. And they do it for a lot longer than bands from Europe. And uh, yeah, it's it's really no joke. So like I have a ton of respect for anyone who has done that or is doing that now because it's really, that's not easy. It's, it's, you have no personal space. <laughs> You have no personal space. You have no bathroom. You have no bed. You have, you can't stand up. You You, can't, you you put your bag somewhere and then it's not there anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, but that's where I put my bag. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. You're completely like at risk and exposed basically to everything. And, uh, yeah, it's, that is, I mean, that is like real dedication, you know? And so I, I think that that is, I'm glad that I did that for so many years because it taught me, it allowed me to teach myself that I really wanted to do this. You know, like if you're willing to go through that, like you have the right attitude. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's jump into Arch Enemy, new material, two album, two singles have dropped so far. Sorry. Uh, Deceiver, Receiver and House of Mirrors, both bangers. Um, House of Mirrors, the chorus section has a, 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 a sort of like a, scream with a note on it yeah. and, and i like that 
and I, and I think yeah. it's an interesting new voice for you almost, I want to say. I'm not sure if you've used that elsewhere, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, let's talk about new stuff. Is there's new things happening? Is this leading up to a new album? It seems to be a big buildup, but I don't blame you guys with the pandemic and the uncertainty of when you can actually get out there to push an album properly. Uh, so you've been pushing this for probably four months up to right now. And by the time this episode comes out, it'll be even longer. So, so talk to me about uh, the buildup towards something new. Yeah. So, you know, the, the way that people consume music is changing. Um, the world is changing and we feel like, I think probably every band feels that a song is a huge accomplishment and every song deserves to stand on its own and it deserves, you know, focused attention because that's what it gets when we're writing it and recording it. So we wanted to kind of like approach um, releasing music in a different way and showcase individual songs on their own and let them kind of stand on their own two feet. So like you said, so far we, we released Deceiver Deceiver and House of Mirrors which are two very different songs and both of them uh, were very well received, which is awesome because we were working on this really hard through the pandemic so far. And uh, yeah, we plan on just kind of like presenting our music to people in this kind of like new approach. For me, it feels really cool. And I'm sure that like you can relate to this, but I feel like when we play these songs live, like people are going to know these songs, oh, now, yeah, you know, yeah. like rather than it just being like one of the songs on the album, when we play it live, like they're going to sing it back to me, they're going to know the words. And that's exactly what I want at every show. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're kind of just taking like a, like a, a little bit daring, but new approach to releasing music. Hmm. Is this leading up to more singles in this approach where it's spaced out every few months there's a new single that's eventually going to go onto an album or is it just going to be singles yeah. that are going to be paired together or is it singles that are building up to a whole new album with whole new songs what, what what's coming up well i think by the time that this podcast airs um it'll be public knowledge that we have an album so um we you know, we've been writing and recording songs nonstop. So some of them are on this album. Some of them are not. Um, and we're just going to be kind of like allowing people to enjoy every song. Well, not every song, but many of the songs on their own before they get the whole album. Okay. Amazing. So yeah, more singles on the way. I love it. Um, more clean vocals on the way. Is, is that happening? Um, yes. I remember I wrote you a message immediately the first time I saw heard <laughs> clean vocals in an Arch Enemy song. First off, I remember writing you when you got the gig and I was like, this is fucking insane. And then I remember writing you, I think my next message after was finally clean vocals because you're so goddamn yeah. good. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I mean, you, you and I were like, I feel like if I'm remembering correctly, you and I were maybe like the only two or some of the like only ones who kind of did both like mm -hmm. clean and screaming singing. And I think you also do that note scream thing, right? Yeah, yeah I could do that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I've always found that you had like just an amazing way of like choosing what vocalization you wanted and then just affecting it perfectly. Oh, thank you. And yeah. And so, I mean, that's what I love. I love when singers are just like kicking ass at what they do. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, when I, um, when I write a song, often the guitars are so melodic that oh, I don't God. feel like it yeah. needs clean singing, you know, like I feel like, 
I feel like I'm more of a rhythm instrument than anything. But um, sometimes it, it makes sense. You know, sometimes it does work. And so uh, basically I just present the idea, you know, to Michael and Daniel, my guitarist and drummer. And I'm like, hey, do you think this sounds cool? If not, we can work on something else. But if you think this is cool, we can do it this way. And uh, yeah. And so sometimes the clean vocals make it in. Sometimes they don't. But um I think that it's, you know, as long as it's done tastefully, I think it's like a nice tool to have. And a lot of people don't know I even sing like that. So yeah. <laughs> I think for them, it's kind of surprising. And you do a bunch of guest vox. For, I was prepping for this and I was reading the amount of guest vocal stuff you've done. And in my mind, yeah. I was like, oh, it's all going to be clean stuff. But it's not. Half of it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting exactly. that a lot of people don't know that you have this side of you. Yeah, like most recently I did this um, this guest vocal for Me and That Man, which mm, was yeah. a song with Nurgle from Behemoth, yeah. his other project, which is like a really cool, like dirty, bluesy project. And kind of the basis of the whole thing is like these metal musicians that you didn't think had this bluesy side just unleashing. And I remember when Nurgle wrote to me and asked me if I wanted to do a song with him, he was I don't think he knew that I did clean singing <laughs> because he was like, look, here's the song. Okay. And it was literally just a bass line and claps. Okay? Right, okay. So like, like that's it, like a bass line claps and a harmonica. And so he was like, these are some lyrics that I wrote. Maybe you can add to them. And like, oh yeah, Devin Townsend's on it too. And I was like, wow. Oh my God, Devin Townsend. Oh my God. So, okay. So he was like, look, it doesn't have to be good, you know, like it has to be honest. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean it doesn't have to be good? And he's like, you know, it's like it's not screaming. It's like singing. But don't worry, it doesn't have to be like good. And I was like, OK, well, I'm going to make it good. I'm going to make it good. <laughs> <laughs> That's and funny. that was really. Yeah. And so that was like a really cool thing because I just went right here into this booth and I um, actually didn't write anything ahead of time. I didn't mm. like plan it out. I just let the song start and I just went and the way the, the way that I recorded it, it's actually just like one take. Amazing. So it was like it was just like the first most honest, raw, like interpretation of the words. And uh, yeah. And then I went back and put in some harmonies here and there and stuff like that. But like that's I think the only time I've done anything like that. So that was like a really cool experience. Very, very, very cool. And I think that it's smart the way you guys did it with Arch Enemy, um, not having clean vocals at first. I think that the fans would have freaked out. It was a very smart and calculated move to, to wait, to let them accept you, to be like, oh yeah, she's brutal. Are you saying this from personal experience or are you? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe. But uh, <laughs> see, I won't sing clean anymore with Cryptopsy, whereas you can now. But, oh, re really? You don't? But you have I won't, such a good no. Clean singing voice. Do you have, forgive me for my ignorance, um, do you have another project where you can sing clean? I have a podcast where I talk to people and drink craft oh. beer. <laughs> but I, I, I always have lots of little things going on, but I do still okay, sing. Okay, yeah, because it would be a shame to waste the clean voice, you know. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but it was definitely a, a smart move on your side to, to let the whole you know, fan base mourn Angela, the passing of the torch. And then you yeah. come in and obviously you're going to slay it. And then over time, just dropping in these little things where you could actually sing in it. And it's interesting that you yeah. just, you, you write a bunch of ideas and it's up to if it fits and that's the perfect thing exactly. for any song, right? It's songwriting. Does it fit for the song for everyone? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's how we all approach it. You know, like Jeff could come in and 
shred a solo that you think requires 10 hands to do, but does it fit for the song? Because if it does, we'll use it. And if it doesn't, he'll do something else, you know? Mm. And like my, my drummer, Daniel, could play like a samba beat all over everything. And, you know, but does it make sense? Like, <laughs> you know, it has to make sense. We're all, we're all capable of doing a lot of different styles, but it has to work for the song. You know, the song is king. We want to do whatever mm. makes the song the best it can possibly be. So that's the approach that we all take. Uh, I had Michael uh, on the podcast and I just praised, like, how do you keep writing these riffs? You know, like, how? <laughs> yeah. The catchiest riffs in the world. How, how are you ever afraid that you're not going to come up with something new? <laughs> you know, it's, it's such a nice feeling to know that every time Michael wants to show me an idea, I just know I'm going to love it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause he's just like, he's just a machine with that. It's, you know? it's incredible. And I mean, he's so funny, right? He's such a funny yeah. person. I don't know if people realize how hilarious he is as, as a person, <laughs> but he's a super funny dude. And, yeah, he's really, really a crazy riff writer. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hopsins? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer, and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Let's talk about Montreal. Uh, we're both from Montreal prolific city this is a heavy montreal presents vox and hops episode um i was curious before sitting down he was like why do you still live in montreal with with the band being everywhere um yeah california just sounds better for some reason i don't know you know it does until you realize that like it's on fire and (laughs) it's really far from europe like really far like you're adding six hours to that flight um so you know what i I almost feel like I don't live in Montreal anymore because I really do not spend a lot of time here. I'm here right now. And um, to be honest, coming back, I had like a lot of anxiety um, just because like the restrictions are so crazy sometimes, like just right now with COVID and everything. And I think 2020 kind of unfortunately kind of tainted Montreal for me. I love it. I think it's an amazing city. I think it's beautiful. I I've grown to appreciate it a lot more. Um, with the lockdowns in 2020, I found myself exploring Quebec. Like, have you ever been to like St. Flavie? Like, (laughs) you know, there's like some weird little towns all along the the river and like the St. Lawrence river, but it's beautiful. Mm. Like it's stunning. Like it's so beautiful. You'd think you were in like Finland or something like it's just gorgeous. And so I really grew to appreciate Quebec. And I also, um, fixed up my old bicycle and went on like six hour bike rides every day. Amazing. Like around Ile Saint-Hélène, which is where they have heavy Montreal and like just amazing, like 
these crazy bike rides like we have this glorious river that i just feel is so beautiful and so amazing and we're just like this little oasis we have mount royal we have like it's a beautiful city it's full of culture place des Arts. like it's a great place to live but for 2020 i was all of a sudden taken from you know the past 10 years of my life which i would spend maybe two months in montreal per year to spending 12 months yeah. in montreal and not only that but the u.s border was closed so i was separated from doyle mm-hmm. which is my boyfriend so i was like feeling pretty isolated <laughs> and actually that's when i wrote house of mirrors which is total that's the the sentiment that went into that song and um which is really cool that I've noticed that a lot of my fans picked up on and wrote me messages about. So I, that was like really cool to see that it translated. Um, but yeah, I mean, California sounds better. You know, I lived in Germany and I love Germany. Um, but Montreal is really special. It's really special. And I try to pull myself away because it would be more convenient for me to just live in Germany permanently or to live in the States with Doyle permanently, mm-hmm. like it would be more convenient. But any time I've tried to do that and like temporarily moved, I've been like, well, this sucks. <laughs> 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 you know? But like, where, you know, where's the river? Like, where's the culture? Where, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a fantastic city. And I, um, I think that having traveled so much, I was made more aware of how actually cool Montreal is. You know, we grow up in this city and we're like a little spoiled, you know, like that we have all this culture and all this amazing food and like amazing, beautiful nature, but still a cool city and like mm-hmm. the Champlain Bridge and the Pont Jacques-Cartier and like, it's a great city. And so I know that I probably should leave at some point just out of convenience, <laughs> <laughs> but it's really hard to leave. And that being said, I'm super close with my family and friends and they're uh, well, they're not all here. A lot of them are all over the world, but my core that I've been friends with for like 25 years are still here. So it does feel like home. I love it. And I love Montreal and you're a hundred percent right. Having yeah. toured, you really see, you know, there's a lot of good things across the globe, but there's, they're yeah. all here too. Like the, 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 the cool yeah. things, the, the nature, the mountain, Mount Royal is so damn cool. I was there today. I was hiking really? there today. And you know what? I was wearing this hot pink snowsuit yes literally from the 80s like it's actually from the 80s i love it my mom found it in the garage and uh so i was wearing that because i didn't want to be cold and when i tell you that people were reacting to me the same way that they would react to like a puppy like i had people like (laughs) clapping and screaming when they just saw me walk by and dancing like they were so excited about it It's a new and career. So, <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know what? I love this. If this is how people could react to me all the time, that would be great. You know, maybe I need to bust this out on stage. I don't know. But the the just the the whole outfit just really made people happy and yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Let's jump into your activism, something that's super important to you. Uh talk to me what this means to you. At what point in your life did it become such a big part of your life? And uh what message do you want to send to the world through your activism? Yeah. So I think actually now more than ever, it's super important. Um, clearly we're in a pandemic. <laughs> I think you might have know, you might have heard about this. Really? Um, yeah. So we're going through a pandemic right now and climate change is real and it's a big fucking problem. Can I say fucking? You can say whatever the fuck you want. Okay, cool. It's a fucking problem. And so, <laughs> and so 
you know, I've been vegan forever. I've been vegan since I was a teenager and I've been doing this kind of activism thing this whole time. Also going to protests and doing marches and giving speeches, um, all around North America, actually. And sometimes in Europe also. Um, and I just figure if I can use whatever um, spotlight I have to draw attention to something that's like actually really important, I, I have to do that, you know? Um, I don't necessarily like crave attention as a person, but I know a few subjects that need the attention. So if I can direct the attention to that, just to even create awareness, just so maybe people are like, oh, well, what's that? And then maybe they look into it and maybe they think I'm stupid or whatever. But like, at least now they're aware of it. Um, and so for me, that's super, super important. It's insanely important because it's, I mean, veganism is something that encompasses so many different aspects. So it's obviously animal rights is a huge part of it. And for me, that's really important. I know not everybody cares about animals, but like most people do. You know, nobody really wants to be like the asshole who hates animals, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so animal rights is a huge part of it, but also like the impact on the environment and the climate is huge. And the impact on just your own health is huge. So I just want people to be aware that there is a solution out there that kind of actually solves all of those problems. And it's called veganism. And if they're willing to give it a shot, that's amazing. They won't regret it. Um... And I also just want to clarify because like social media has brought a lot of attention to like animal activism and the vegan movement, but it's also brought a lot of attention to like a bunch of other random like trends and things. And this is not one of them. Like this was going on a long time ago. I've been vegan since the nineties. Like this, this is not new. Um, It might be new to see it on this platform and like see it presented in so many different ways. But I also think that's really important. Like it's important for people to see, like representation, you know, like they'll see like, oh, well, actually there is a dude who's really ripped and he's vegan. So I guess it's possible. Or there's a girl who has the style that I like and she's vegan and she's not compromising her style. Or, you know, like there's this athlete in, you know, this amazing professional football player and he's killing it and, you know, (laughs) winning every game and he's vegan. And, you know, I think it's just really important to have that kind of representation out there so that people know that, you can do everything that you want and you can do it in like an ethically sound way. So it's very important to me. I love it. Uh, Jess and I have been vegan since 2017, actually. Started off as a slowly cutting, cutting until 2017. We watched one too many documentaries and that was the end of that. There's a lot of of really good ones out there for that. Yeah. Yeah. I was lucky when I started becoming a vegan. Um, Touring was easy. When you started, it wasn't so, it wasn't as many options uh, in every city as as for myself when I started later. Yeah. I mean, I used to, but it was still doable. You know, mm-hmm. I used to um, take a cooler and we had the cooler in the trailer Amazing. and I would go to the bar every night at the venue, you it's know, nice. and I would ask them for ice to fill up the cooler. So I would empty out the old ice and put new ice in the cooler. And then I had like, um, like plastic bags, like grocery bags. And I would just put like, you know, like a three bean salad in there and then like a, you know, box of pineapple and like just like all these little snacks. And I just had them in the cooler and I just like lived off of that for the whole tour. <laughs> and I also had this really cool like pasta thingy, like this kettle that you can just plug in and it boils water, but it's like a bowl. So you can really? put pasta in there and like make pasta. That's amazing. And so, 
Yeah, I was like next to the stage sometimes while yeah, the other yeah. band was on, just like making <laughs> pasta. <laughs> it's like me with my smoothies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's dance into Patreon. Um, you're killing it. I remember Thank when you, you launched it. Uh, I remember knowing that you would do well. Um, what's the secret? You know, you're at, right now I just checked. I don't know if this is the true number. I don't understand Patreon as much as you do, I'm sure. You're up to right. like almost 500 people. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. What's the secret? Um, I guess just like create what people value, you know? And so the reason that I love Patreon is that um, it's very encouraging as an, as an artist, as you know, to have that feedback from people, which is directly saying like, I like this, make more of this, you know? And Patreon allows a lot of, it allows the fans to be like, you know how much I like this, this much, and they can put a dollar amount on it. And so in the past, fans were like, well, I'll buy your merch and I will buy a ticket to your show. And that is how I'm going to show you that I appreciate what you do. And that's still an amazing way to show that. But now we don't have shows, right? Like, hopefully not for long. But for the time being, there's no shows, um, at least not here. And there's only so many T-shirts you can buy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's a way to be able to just really support artists that you love in a meaningful way that allows them to actually reinvest that and make more of what you love. So you're basically like funding your own entertainment in a way. It's amazing. And yeah. And it's just like a really, it really makes sense to me because the amount of times that I've heard a song or seen a painting or something that I was like, wow, that is, that hit me like that really worked for me and been like, how do I thank you for this? And, you know, like it's easy if it's like a street musician, you can put five bucks or whatever in their guitar case. But when it's digital or it's online, you can just like leave a comment saying you like it. But like in order for people to make music, as you know, it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars for dozens of people over years of their life. Like it is expensive. It takes up a ton of time. It takes a ton of like emotional concentration to make it happen. And it's actually the current model is that we do that for free, you know, like we're like, you know, you've worked a ton of jobs in your life. I've worked a ton of jobs in my life. I never like went to work at second cup at Square Victoria. Yeah. Um, that's exactly what I, I was thinking about. <laughs> yeah. I never went to work there just to not get paid. You know, the most I've ever worked to not get paid was in music. Um, Cause that's what we all do for like the first 13 something years I was paying, I was going and picking up that second cup job to take the money, to put it into the band. You know, that's how you do it. And I love it and I'm happy to do that. But at the same time, for a lot of people, myself included, because I'm, I'm actually a freelancer. Um, if you want to continue to make music or to make art or whatever it might be, you like actually need to like buy the art supplies or you need to pay the mixer or you need to buy the microphone or you, you need to pay the drummer. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's actually costs involved. And so, um, Patreon allows me to actually just do those things and then take it, put it together and present a music video for no other reason than I made a music video or, you know, like it's cool because it's art for art's sake. I love it. I love it. And, um, are you prepared? I know that I'm prepared when I go back on tour, I had the podcast before the pandemic really hit, uh, but it's really blown up since the pod, the pandemic has started. So I know that I'm going to go on tour and I'm going to get hit up by a bunch of people 
in each city that are fans of the podcast that I know that I've exchanged uh, comments with. Uh, are you prepared to meet your beastlings on the road? Because it's they, yeah. they they know you very intimately now. Yeah, and actually, luckily, I started um, the Patreon about six months before, or a little like seven months before mm-hmm. the pandemic hit. So I was actually able to meet a lot of these people already yeah. um, in North America and in Europe at the meet and greets. And yes, that's I really love doing that because I know their name. You know what I mean? Like I know their I know them by name, but I don't necessarily know them by face all the time. Yes. I mean, sometimes we do have like one on one chats or they'll come on the screen during a live stream and then I can see who they are. But um, that allowed me to actually really put a face to the name. And I still remember them all like perfectly like i remember who cedric is i remember who francis is i rem- you know like i remember all of them and when i see them i'm gonna be able to be like hey what's up uh what's up danny like you know i just i know what they look like and so for me that's really cool because it's also and i don't know if you still have this but you know that feeling of like your first few shows when there was like 10 people in the audience just staring at you unimpressed. (laughs) I still have that fear, you know? (laughs) And so it's nice to be able to go on stage and see familiar faces in the audience and know that they love it. You know, the support crew. You're you're still still standing sideways. (laughs) 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 Exactly. Exactly. That's still me. (laughs) But you have been releasing you to the, a few videos and you've been doing the songs of the seasons. Um, Just recently you dropped a folie deux. Um, mm-hmm. lots of clean vocals. It, it must be freeing yeah. to, to, to be able to create and, and to just be this other side of you that has no necessarily, necessarily any ties to Arch Enemy. Yeah, it is. I mean, I love everything that I do with Arch Enemy and like my Beastlings also know that Arch Enemy always takes priority. So like if I got to do an album or a tour, like there's a chance I'm going to be like a little bit less productive on Patreon, but that's also what's cool about it. You know, like it's, really me doing it there's no like machine behind it there's no like production behind it it's like just me giving it to them and so um it is like really cool to be able to just put out something just for the sake of putting it out like there's no precedent there's nobody reviewing it there's no like label saying no nick's that one or like you know what i mean like there's nothing like it's just i made this here it is. Like, it's really that simple. Like, here you go. I made it's this. It's only for Patreon, right? Yeah. So actually the feedback on so- on the first song of the season, which like you said, is Folie Deux. So far, a lot of um, the people in the Patreon have been saying like, you should put this out publicly. You should put this out publicly, which is also so cool that they're, they want to be able to like share it widely. You know what I mean? Um, so maybe down the line, I would consider, um, putting it out publicly but as for right now it's just exclusive songs every quarter uh on patreon so you have to be a member to hear the song and see the music video but you can be a member for any amount so there's like no restriction like you could it's super reasonable too it starts like at four yeah like you could put in one dollar if you want like those are just like guidelines but like you can really put in whatever you want um but the more like the higher the tiers are like you get all these other cool benefits with it and so The song of the season is cool because if you are a member of like the top three tiers, um, not only do you get like a bunch of stuff like, you know, like we do a video, we do a virtual signing session, we do a virtual meet and greet. I write out lyrics by hand and ship them out. That's exhausting. I have the worst hand. I have the worst handwriting. Oh, I'm I'm a kind of a calligraphy nerd, so I kind of I'm kind of proud of my handwriting. But. I, I write like so infrequently that when I have to, my hand aches. I'm so out of shape. 
It's true. We used to be good in school, but now it's like everything's typed. So painful. But but yeah, so like those tiers also, um, I make merch for each Mm -hmm. song, like based on the song. And then I ship them like a t-shirt in their size for free. So it's cool because for me, it's like a mini like album campaign in each quarter, you know? Um, And so I thought about this idea like last year, I was like, that would be kind of a cool way to release music. Just like these little campaigns and it just follows the season. And so that's what I'm doing now. Yeah. That's very, very exciting. I, I personally hate shipping stuff. Oh my gosh. Well, with Canada Post. Canada Post, if you're listening, what's up? It's horrible. It's, it's always the, it's the worst, worst day. Yeah, it's the worst. I mean, we really do have like a bad postal service here. It's like, really I'm not, I mean, I love Montreal, but the postal system is bad. Yeah. Um, these creative songs leading towards the solo album. Of course, I'm going there. Um, you've been talking about it for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> what what is holding it back? Okay, well, I haven't been talking about it for a long time. The Other people has. have been talking about it for a long time. So, um basically, it was announced What happened was it was announced that I signed for a solo album. To Napalm. So, all I did was sign to do one. But I think a lot of people interpreted that I had an album that I was ready to put out. Um so basically when the news came out about this solo album, the only thing that happened at that point was that I just agreed to do one. <laughs> okay. And then I was on tour for like 300 days of the year up until 2020. Hmm. And so now it's done. But hmm. um, because now I've actually been home long enough to write the songs and get them done. And um, it's awesome. And I love it. And uh, that in that in addition to the song of the season on Patreon is like for me very satisfying, like artistically. Uh, and then on top of that, I have Arch Enemy singles coming out. So there's like a ton of music coming out. So um, there's nothing holding it back. It's done. But uh, I need to be careful with how I release it because now there's so many releases happening that I want to make sure, like like I was saying at the beginning of the show, that, that the music gets the attention it deserves. So yeah, yeah, if you drop it at the same time as Arch Enemy. That would be crazy. That would be hmm. foolish. So um, so it's not going to come out at the same time as an Arch Enemy album for sure, because that's just not a good idea. But um, I will find a time to release it in a way that makes sense. And it's uh, doesn't really sound like Arch Enemy, actually. So it, it's still me. So it's going to sound a little bit like Arch Enemy, but it's it's kind of different. Of course, I was going to ask what 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 can people expect? It's different. What what vibes um, where, you know, you, you hung out with Jeff for three weeks to, to write um did you work with people from camelot again i feel like you did that for i did the yeah. song that just happened uh the monthly mm-hmm. one the the seasonal one uh so so yeah. what, what can people expect it's not arch enemy it's you what what is it i mean i feel like it's kind of an amalgam of that like really interesting place that you're at when you're a beginner musician because although i'm not a beginner vocalist or songwriter i am a beginner guitarist I'm very bad at guitar. And so <laughs> and so when I'm writing songs on guitar, I have an approach that is probably totally wrong. And that's what I think makes it cool. <laughs> um, well, it's it like totally. Different. Yeah, it's 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 different. And an, so un- unorthodox um, would be probably the better word. Yeah, yeah, it's like an unorthodox approach. Um, I mean, I can still play it, but it's it's not 
my main instrument. So when I when I'm writing riffs on a guitar, I'm writing like a vocalist writing riffs on a guitar. And um, I mean, some could argue that that's kind of how Michael writes, too, actually, because his riffs are so sing songy. Um, but yeah, so I wrote a bunch with Jeff and I wrote a bunch with um, a lot of other people, actually, which I don't want to spoil and announce no them stress. all now. Yeah. But um, there's clean singing, there's growling, of course, um, other interesting vocal techniques, like you pointed out, like with like the note screaming and some operatic stuff. And it's like a, a heavy album. I don't know what genre to call it. I feel like I feel like when I'm writing like our first bios for MySpace and you're like, this genre bending <laughs> band is going to blow your mind and melt your face. Like, you know, <laughs> it's just you, which is important for it to be a solo record. It has to be exactly you. And there's it's not just producers honest. coming it's in and telling you what to write and what you are going to be. Nothing at like this that. Point yeah, it's, of your career. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's totally like self-produced in that sense. Um, it's honest. It's exactly what I just felt like writing for this. And so there's like some prog elements, there's some rock and roll elements, there's a lot of metal in it, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm really happy with it. So I hope that other people like it too, basically. Uh, next big question is, obviously, Arch Enemy goes through touring cycles. When you drop this, will you tour the solo album? You know, that was the intention, but it's so hard to make any concrete decisions on touring now because yeah, of, course, of yeah. you know, let's like, say of let's what's say a perfect on. world and, and there is no more pandemic and, and we could just go rewind three years ago and there was no pandemic. Right. Yeah, in a perfect world, I mean, if it made sense to do it, I would I would totally do it. Like I think that the songs are cool and I would like to see them live in a live setting. Um so yeah, I mean I would I would totally do it if it makes sense. I can't even imagine like, I just want to go back on tour, you know, <laughs> like, I just want to go on tour. So I hope, I hope touring comes back. I really do. Like I haven't played a show. You said you played a show in December, I which played is one super show. cool. Yeah. Um, I have not played a show since 2019. Yeah. Oof. So, um, I'm jonesing. <laughs> which is, we're, we're, we're perfectly in sync. I, I typically go to, uh, how have you been, how have you been filling the void of performing? You've been writing a oh lot, my God. but there's that vibe yeah. that, that, that I get it from the podcast. I sit down right here. I get those same little butterflies that I would get before I step on stage. I'm like, am I prepared enough? Uh, how's the internet going to be tonight? Uh, you know what I mean? So, so this is how I've been filling the void of performing. How have you been replacing that vibe that, that butterflies, the scared yeah <laughs> I'm yeah that Kathy adrenaline chaos. i'm like hey for chaos i'm standing sideways yeah. but no but no danny's <laughs> in the crowd and i'm okay tonight yeah yeah well no that was um there was a show like that that was um uh okay cafe chaos yeah that was my first show and then wait i'm trying to think of what my second show was i think cafe chaos is gone now right cafe chaos is gone we played a show together that was gone. not very good that was like Alize no, or we Club played, One uh, no, it was, or um, Cafe Campus. Ah, oh, Cafe is that still there? Cafe mm -hmm, Campus. Mm -hmm. Okay, so some of them are still there. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I've played tons of shows that were not good. <laughs> so many, so many shows that are not good. But you know, like that's I think how it goes. I don't yeah, know anyone to. who's played. I don't know anyone who has a 100% good show <laughs> rating in their career. You know, I, ha I have interviewed a few people where like their first show was like, yeah, there was 500 kids there what yeah who where how um, how did they do that mike from uh, darkest hour really yeah. but wait but was he an original member 
Mm, or was, was it his first I show with his, the band? No, no, no. It was his first show. I don't even think it was with Darkest Hour. I think it was like his first show. Okay. Yeah. But they, they, they. Damn, where's he from? I'm, that's, <laughs> maybe Montreal's not that no, cool. He, I don't hustled, know. <laughs> he hustled and he like, he flyered like three high schools. And, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, like when it comes to flyering, um, you know, Francois Ouellet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He and helped so me set up the uh, Michael interview, actually. Yeah. And so I met him through flyering. And he's Arch Enemy's tour manager. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's a cool little Montreal connection also. Um, but yeah, you asked, um, how have I been dealing with it? Filling I have the void been, yeah, of being on yeah, stage. Yeah, filling yeah. the void and getting that adrenaline rush. It's been honestly pretty much through releasing singles and through my Patreon page. Because I do live streams there too. And I'm also like, it's so connected that um, it it does feel like kind of like a small venue filled with you know, those people. So, um, that's been really, really helping me get through it. One last question. I typically wrap up with a hangover cure, but that won't apply here. So let's jump into my backup one, which is, uh, what has been the best part, the silver lining of the pandemic for you? Uh, (laughs) it just sucks. I want it to be over. There's no silver lining. (laughs) It's all black clouds. No, um, I would say it's the fact that I was able to write so many songs and record so many songs um, because normally I'm my, my year is so consumed with touring that that is something that doesn't get to happen necessarily. Because even, you know, like if you have two weeks off from tour, like it's kind of hard to get into the songwriting mode. You got to do in just two weeks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, like you come home, you got to like do your laundry, yeah. like figure out what to do like you know it's like weird you have this weird feeling you think you see like your guitar tech and then you're like wait he doesn't live in the city what (laughs) that's not him like you know what i mean like it's just like a weird environment so um i think the silver lining for me personally would be that i got to explore and appreciate quebec more like quebec the province and i was able to um be really productive with songwriting and what about you I've uh, been hammering through the podcast and very, very lucky to spend so much time with my family. Two young kids now. You have two young kids? Two young kids now. Yeah, oh, so congrats. Very nice to spend some time with them. The yin and the yang of my life going on tour and coming home. Mostly a lot yeah. of home recently. I could I could use the other side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to come back soon. I hope so. Alyssa, thank you so, so much for taking the time. Hang out with me, talking about your life. Uh, talking about music talking about a bunch of amazing things that you got coming up uh, it was an absolute true pleasure uh massive massive cheers to you and i can't wait cheers to do this again <laughs> cheers all right thank you so much hey thank you all so so much for listening to right today and you know that i love and appreciate that man that i've ever a killer time reconnecting with elisa it has been so long that we've known each other but it has been quite some time that we hadn't actually sat down and had a conversation together i am very stoked that we did because this was amazing i'm very very stoked about the new archenemy album deceivers and i'm even more stoked to hear that elisa has been doing some more clean vocals on this record which is something that she's so very good at and i think it is time to put some of those clean vocals on archenemy that's my personal opinion i like that massive cheers to elisa for hanging out with me it was an absolute blast and i cannot wait to hang out again 
If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcasts mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, including all the info for any episodes which I drop throughout that week. If I've been a guest on anyone else's podcast, you will also get all of the information for any projects that I have in the works. Before I announce it to the public, you will get to see all of the album reviews that the album review crew have dropped that week and you will see which albums the metal architect himself jerry monk has added to the brutal awakenings playlist which is available on both apple music and spotify now there's just so much going on in the world of the vox and hops metal podcast i would hate for you to miss a single thing so please sign up to the mailing list the vox and hops metal podcast is brought to you by sound telemedia and evergreen podcasts i hope you have a glorious glorious rest of the week but most importantly remember to enjoy life metal and craft beer cheers vox and hops heads hey you do you have any plans this year Ha! How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.